Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1 from verse 26 to 38. If you're new to chapel today, you don't have a Bible, you fancy taking a Bible home to read a bit more, please feel free. We've been trying to get rid of these for years. We want some new ones. <laughs> Great. Good. <laughs> Right, I've got six at home. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> okay, so we're reading from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to call him the and you are to call you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible for God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Thanks so much, Julianne. First question. Have you ever felt like you're the wrong person for the job? and the growth of music online. Well, Guy Cuny is the editor of the technology website uh, News Wireless. Hello, good morning to you. Good morning. Were you surprised by this uh, verdict today? I'm very surprised to see this verdict to, to come on me because I was not expecting that. When I came, uh, they told me something else and I'm coming. You got an interview there, so it's a big surprise anyway. A big surprise. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. Um, 
With regards to uh, the cost that's in, in, involved, um, do you think uh, now more people will be downloading online? Uh, actually, if you can go everywhere, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of people downloading uh, to the internet uh, and the website, uh, everything they want. But I think uh, it's, it's much better for the development and uh, to improve people what uh, they want and to get uh, on the easy way and so fast uh, the things they're looking for. This does really seem to be the way the music industry is progressing now, that people want to go onto the website and download music. Exactly. You can go everywhere on the Cyber Cafe and you can check. You can go easy. It's going to be a very easy way for everyone to get something to the internet. Thank you, Thanks very much indeed. I think we can now also speak to... I think his um, facial expression gets me through some of the hardest times in life. <laughs> but what, what I'd love to do in this Christmas story is zoom in on Mary's face when she opens the door in Nazareth and sees an angel from heaven standing outside her house in her front garden. I imagine that Mary would have thought that this angel had typed in the slightly wrong address in his satnav and had ended up in a different place to Jerusalem where he was meant to land. Because she's in Nazareth. If God has a big plan for Israel, he's going to go to Jerusalem. Nazareth was not known about. Um, it was only famous for the fact that it was often regarded as a not very nice place. It's a, a, a phrase that was going around, what good thing can come from Nazareth? It's a bit like coming from Maidenhead, which is where I'm from. The only thing about Maidenhead is it's not as nice as Reading, Windsor, Marlow, Henley, and everywhere else around it. That's kind of the feeling in Nazareth. Why on earth is an angel landing on my doorstep? So Mary is thinking in that moment, well, he's clearly just got the wrong address. I'll send him in the right direction, 140 kilometers south to Jerusalem. When suddenly the angel says, Mary, says her name very specifically, and she discovers in that moment that this is a message from God for her. Now, I want to suggest, perhaps you felt a bit like Mary, insignificant, forgotten, important things don't happen to you. Well, if that is you, you have a personal invitation from God this morning to be involved in his Christmas story. Now, the second thing, Mary was greatly troubled at this arrival of the angel. Now, why might Mary have been greatly troubled by this? First of all, I think just the presence of an angel. The Bible doesn't describe angels of, as small, chubby, smiley babies, a bit like mine was here. <laughs> We've got a very embarrassing photo of her for when she's older. Um, Angels were not these chubby little babies playing harps. They were the messengers and the warriors of God's heavenly army. So the physical presence of an angel would have been frightening enough. But also, I think if we go further into the story and understand the background a bit, we will also uh, find out a little bit more why Mary might have been greatly troubled. Israel at the time was a mess in every regard. The royal family were corrupt. The priests, priestly system manipulated the poor. 
The temple was organized in a way so that um, certain people could get ahead and certain people would be forgotten about. Social justice was uh, sort of non-existent in the whole area. Political divisions were everywhere and people were so split, they were, they were segregated. And I am still talking about Israel back then, not us. But the state of the nation was dire. And so what are you expecting if an angel, which throughout the Old Testament, angels were often sent by God to deal out justice on earth, to do the right thing where everything has gone wrong, they come and deal with justice on the earth. If you're Mary and you've seen an angel from heaven, all of these thoughts are going to be whizzing through your mind. This is not necessarily good news for us. This is going to have huge implications, not simply for me, but for my whole family, for the whole region that I live in, for the whole nation. I'm not sure this is going to be good news. Mary was greatly troubled. She was anxious in this moment. Now, I wonder if you've ever felt that anxiety about circumstances about the future welling up inside of you, that feeling of being, being greatly troubled about what life has for you just in the next few days, months, or even years. That feeling of almost terror that consumes your body. Well, if that's you, if you've ever felt like that or if you feel like that at the moment at Christmas then here is your invitation to join the Christmas story and to find courage in the Christmas story. Mary felt greatly troubled, but she was invited into God's Christmas story. Next question, have you ever felt like the expectations on your shoulders are too high and too big? I think it's often hard breaking big news to people, isn't it? I imagine for doctors it's almost impossible. I don't understand how you do it. But just for us normal folk as well, telling someone some big news, you can either do that terribly or well, um, depending on the size of the news and your skill with people. I think Gabriel does a decent job at breaking this down for Mary. But some things are too big to be bite-sized, aren't they? So he starts, you will have a child. That's hard enough, but okay. It's going to be a boy, even more difficult. He will be great. Now, I think that's where Gabriel went wrong slightly. That is often seen as a compliment to parents, but actually it's just a whole heap of condemnation on their shoulders. When you're told that your baby is going to be wonderful and brilliant in the future, you're like, you realize that's all dependent on us, kind of. And if they're anything like us, they're not going to be, because no one calls us wonderful or brilliant anymore. So Gabriel, I think that's where he stepped it slightly wrong, but he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high God. Now things are starting to get a little bit weird. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now I think in that moment the penny dropped for Mary. We know that she read the Old Testament, the Bible that the Jewish people had, she read that. She knew the stories about what God had done in the past. But not only that, she knew the predictions about the future. God had promised to put this world right. And he would do it by sending someone who was in the genealogy or the line of David. 
And that person, this was King David, who'd been king over the whole nation and had been a really good king, bringing everyone together and putting the the nation into a good state. God had promised to send someone in his line that would be even greater than him, that would become king, sit on the throne, and would not only bless Israel, but also the whole world. Mary knew that prediction, but I imagine a bit like you and me, she thinks that massive things, hugely significant things, don't happen through very small people. They happen to the important people, the people who are born in royal families or whatever it might be. But that's not going to happen to me. But then I think she had a, a light switch moment as well when she realized the line of David, the man I'm engaged to, did tell me that actually he's in the line of David, Joseph, was in that line. Now, for any engaged couples here, it's very important to find out the family history of your, uh, the, the partner that you're going to get married to, to save you some awful shocks, like an angel turning up at the door and telling you that you're going to have the Son of God as your child. But I think, I think in that moment, the penny would have dropped for Mary. And then the final line, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary asked the most sensible question in the Bible. How will this be? See, it's hard enough keeping a baby alive in general and helping it to grow up and flourish, especially if this baby is the hope of the world. Not only that, you live in the middle of nowhere. You have no claims to fame. You have no access to power. You've got nothing good in your family system. Also, you you simply don't have enough money to give this child a good start in life. Mary was extremely poor. All of these thoughts, I think, would have been flying through her head. And then the final one is this. I'm just physically incapable of doing the thing that you're asking me to do. I am a virgin. Now, lots of people doubt or question the virgin birth of the Christmas story, but it hadn't dawned on me that Mary was the first person to doubt the virgin birth of the Christmas story. And actually, I'd say that. If you find yourself in a place of doubt, a place of disbelief, a place of real skepticism about what's, what's going on, and, and perhaps even what the Christmas story is all about, Well, join the club. You're invited to experience more, to find some more clarity, to go a bit deeper and to discover whether these things are actually true. You're invited. If if you find yourself in Mary's shoes, being a bit skeptical about how all of this could possibly be true, we'd invite you to come along and find out more in the Christmas story. Now, the next question, have you ever been tempted to give up doing the right thing? See, you'd have thought that if God had gone to the lengths and the efforts to send a messenger from heaven to tell this lady that she was going to give birth to the king of the nation and the world, that he would have then put on a a helpful birthing plan for her in the future. He would have organized her to be able to go to a good local hospital, get a good midwife or even a group of midwives, aftercare, and maybe a bit of financial provision for her. 
If he's gone to these lengths to sort out this specific miracle, why not a few more miracles along the way? But what we discover if, if we read the story is Mary, within a few months, has to travel 150 kilometers south without cars, without trains, just with animals to help you along the way, in order to go to where uh, the baby was to be born in Bethlehem. There's no helpful midwives. In fact, when she gives birth, she's just surrounded by a bunch of odd men who stink of sheep. The birthing suite turns out to be a cattle shed. And it turns out there's no extra financial provision for her. Now, think about this. We're told a bit later on in Luke. She goes to the temple to dedicate this baby. She turns up to the temple, and when you turn up to the temple, you're going to take a sacrifice of some kind in order to thank God for what he's done for you. Now, all of the rich, well-off mums are driving their really nice buggies with a whole lamb or a goat or something like that, a big animal to show that, actually, I'm financially well-off, and I'm going to be able to look after my kid. Mary finds herself with one baby and two pigeons trying to get into the temple. Now, pigeons aren't known for staying quiet and being subtle. They are blurting out that she is poor and she is probably unlikely to give her child good financial provision in the first years of their life. Now, that would have been a shameful situation for Mary to walk into. It's not only that, though. Not only do things start difficult for her, they get more difficult. Within a couple of months, maybe a year, the king passes a law to slaughter children. All of the baby boys under the, year of, under the age of two in the Bethlehem region were to be murdered in order to stop this Jesus character growing up. So Mary finds herself having to escape the country with a newborn baby in order to save her life and his now imagine the feeling when she returns. Imagine the fear that she would feel bringing her baby back into a nation that had just passed that kind of a law. And then we discover that not only that, but a rumor has started that she had this baby boy through having an affair. And that rumor spread around the area that she lived in. And it stayed with them until her son, Jesus, had grown up into his 30s. Can you feel the feeling of Mary, the temptation to stop doing the right thing, to stop trusting God in that moment, to stop going with his plan, because everything has become much more difficult. Howard and I went to, um, recently went down to Westminster Abbey, where there was an amazing exhibition going on that was put together by a charity called Open Doors. And this was specifically about women around the world, Christian women who are being persecuted because of their gender and because of their faith, where their lives have taken an awful turn for the worst because they've decided to follow Jesus and believe in him. And there was story after story around the world right now of women uh, having their families ripped apart, having their partners killed and their babies killed because of their faith. They have every reason 
on a human level to stop doing the right thing, to stop trusting God in those moments, and yet they don't. And the stories that they, they flooded that entire room were stories of hope that they say, actually, following Jesus, believing God, the Christmas story, in essence, is the only hope I have in life. This is what keeps me going. Now, your situation might not be as dramatic or as life-threatening, but it's as real. God may have opened an amazing opportunity for you, an amazing door into something in the future, and you're stepping into that, hoping that the grass is greener the other side, but perhaps it's not. And you do start to question, is any of this true? Can I keep going? Can I keep persevering in doing good things, loving the people around me, trusting in Jesus, those kinds of things? Well, if that's ever been you, if you've ever been tempted to give up doing the right thing, join Mary in the Christmas story because you're invited. You're invited to find the courage that you need in this Christmas story. We see at the end of this passage Mary's amazing response She could have just shut the door on Gabriel and said, please just pick someone else. But instead she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So finally, what can we learn from Mary? Well, the first thing is that the Christmas story is an invitation to everyone. Not a specific group of people, the special people. People of a certain class, certain race, certain gender, certain life situation. The Christmas story is open to everyone. The stable doors are open. Everyone, the whole world is invited in to join the Christmas story. Mary experienced that in herself. She understood the grace of God, that she was nothing special. And yet she became highly favored because of the love of God in her life. Later on in the New Testament, uh, my colleague Craig pointed this out. Later on, the Apostle Paul writes and uses the same word, but of every believer. That we, anyone who trusts in Jesus, is highly favored by God in exactly the same way. No matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter what situations you're walking through, you are invited to be highly favored by God in your life. The next thing is the Christmas story that we're invited into is his story. Now, this is powerful. Every parent experiences their children doing some weird and wonderful things that they wouldn't necessarily agree with. I think my family constantly tell me uh, that this is the case with me and are constantly bemused by the fact that they gave birth to me. But Mary had that situation with her son Jesus in a slightly different way. He was not necessarily what she expected. And he grew up to do a whole manner of things that took her by surprise because he was following his invitation from God the Father. There were moments in his life when he seemed to have developed a God complex and Mary tried to pull him out of those situations. But she learned her lesson. But I think the most remarkable and horrific moment was the moment when she saw her own son 
being publicly executed in front of her, claiming that this was for the forgiveness of sins. This story that you're invited into might turn out different to your expectations, but you will find that they exceed your expectations. Because the next part of this, how we can learn from Mary, is that the Christmas story invitation gives you so much strength to go through life, no matter what happens. There's a remarkable thing. A few months or even weeks later, after she saw her son publicly executed on a cross, she's preaching to the world around her that he is the Son of God and he's been risen from the dead. What would make a mother start preaching that message other than the fact that it had actually happened and that she'd been convinced that he truly was the Son of God? Now, if that's true, then he is a living God who keeps his promises and promises to be with you in the best moments and the worst moments of your life. These are some of the tapestries from the ladies that, uh, from the Open Doors exhibition. And they hung on these promises from God. I see you, I am with you. In the best times and the worst times. Mary learned this message from God, God is with you. That is everything. Strip away the tinsel, strip away all the decorations. You know that song that gets in your head, I wish it were Christmas every day. Well, actually, strip away the tinsel, strip away the decorations. The very heartbeat of Christmas can be with you every day, that God is with you. And in that truth, you can be highly favored and experience the blessing of God in your life. Everyone's invited. So if I can invite the band up, actually. <laughs> You're invited first. Everyone is invited into this story, into this message. If I can say a quick prayer, and then we'll go into our, the final few carols. Father, thank you that you're such a loving God who sent your son into this world, into the very womb of a woman who would have felt completely isolated outside of anything significant, and yet, Hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, we call her blessed, but also that blessing is available to us if we accept the invitation. So Lord, I pray for all of us here that if you're stirring in our hearts, we would have the faith to be able to accept this invitation from you personally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.